Hey y'all, it's Dr. Kylie with the Beyond the Diagnosis podcast and it is 2023. Where has the time gone? We began this in 2020. Would have never known what I would be doing now and what information would be out there about our health. I am so glad that you have taken the time to learn about your health and what you can do to be in charge of it and to be in control of it and to learn about your blood work, what your blood work really says right here on this podcast. In fact, if you could do me a big favor, I would be so grateful if you could leave a review on your favorite podcast platform, take a screenshot picture of it, send it to my team. We'll get you something good just for doing that. If you are a practitioner and you don't have a thriving virtual practice, you need one. That's what In This Together Live is all about. It's happening in February 20th, 21st, and 22nd in Orlando, Florida. Yes, this is an in-person event where I get to meet you and hug you and help you grow the practice of your dreams so you can have more time, locate more freedom of time, location freedom, and financial freedom. But now is the time to do it. You've got to have a thriving virtual practice. The doors are wide open. And who knows what's going to be available in two years. So let's get this done now. Let's build you a thriving virtual practice in just two days. Come join me and other world-class experts in Orlando, Florida at the Wyndham Grand Resort on February 20th, 21st, and 22nd this month. Well, this year. So next month, grab your ticket at drkylieburton.com slash in-this-together-live. It's got all the details and there are only 200 seats available. So grab yours before it fills up. I guarantee it's going to fill up. And I also guarantee you ain't going to want to miss this. It's going to be the thing that blows up your practice so you can help more people while saving your time, saving your energy and having more impact. And who doesn't want to meet in person nowadays? I need to meet you and I need to give you the biggest hug and tell you, you got this. You are a genius. Let's just get more people knowing that your geniusness exists. And I'll see you in Florida next month. Welcome to the Beyond the Diagnosis podcast with me, Dr. Kylie. If you have a teenager or no teenagers or work with teenagers who struggle with anxiety and depression, which is our lot of them, this episode is for you. I have Dr. Courtney Conley on with me, who and she specializes in helping these teenagers not only get to the root causes of what's causing their anxiety and depression, but give them some simple tools and tricks to navigate around it. So Dr. Courtney, welcome on. Thank you so much for having me and allowing me to chat with your audience and hopefully share some things that um, will help some people out who work with teens. Now, Dr. Courtney is sitting in Massachusetts right now with a storm going all around her, thundering, lightning. So in order to keep her audio clear, we're going to take her video off. But she's a redhead just like me, just so in case you guys are wondering. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So Dr. Courtney, why teenagers and why anxiety and depression in teenagers? My work with teens really um, stems from the inner turmoil that, you know, I experienced as a teenager. I just remember being so miserable and so insecure, um, you know, having weight issues and depression and anxiety and, you know, all the while able to kind of hide that stuff, you know, from, from most everyone, honestly, really internalizing it, um, 
but it impacting me on such a deep level. So as I, you know, as I got older and I started, I knew I, I always knew I wanted to be a counselor. And as I got older, I continued to see kids struggling. And I really just decided to kind of niche down and work with those teenagers who might be going through something similar um, to what I did, because I know that, you know, there, there are things that work, there are ways that we can um, help them. And I know that there's a lot of teenagers out there that struggle. Yeah, there are a lot. And especially since COVID. And I can't yeah, tell you absolutely. how many people, how many moms reached out to me because I mean, everybody lost their life, but teenagers mm -hmm. who are social lost everything. All of a sudden, they no longer had their junior prom. They no longer had their um, classmates at school or their friends or going to Friday night activities, no longer had football games. I mean, it was literally wiped right from underneath their feet. So oh, yeah. give us some pointers. How, how can we help yeah. these kids? Because we all know somebody mm -hmm. sitting in these shoes. You know, I I always tell people to kind of back up and start with something that sounds simple, but really just empathy, um, because a lot of times we look at their phase of life and we look at it from an adult perspective. And when we compare their, you know, teenage or adolescent problems to what it is that we're going through as an adult, a lot of times we determine they're less important you know, that breakup or um, struggling with in a class or with a teacher or not wanting to go to school or, um, you know, all, all these different things. Um, having a, having trouble finding a date to something, to some kind of school event or whatever, prom or all that kind of stuff. And we look at it through our adult perspective when we think about paying bills and having a house and raising kids and, you know, all these other things that we've done. And we determine that, you know, their, their problems aren't as important as ours. When in reality, they are, right? Because they're experiencing the things that they should be experiencing at their stage of development. So it's 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 not fair when we don't place as much weight to what they're going through. So one of the common things that I hear from teenagers all the time is that parents don't care, they don't understand, or they don't value what their teen thinks. And, and I work with enough parents, loving, supporting parents to know that's not really the case, but somewhere that message is being sent. And I link it back to empathy and really listening to try to understand to how our teens feel and what they're thinking um, and not trying to put them into some kind of a adult problem context. Not to mention the hormonal changes going on, the physiological yes. changes going on inside their bodies. I mean, they're extreme at that moment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you have the Absolutely. external fight, the internal fight. It just seems like it's mm -hmm. a losing situation in so many scenarios. Yeah, I mean, that, you know, if we look at Eric Erickson um, and we look at his model of, you know, development and we look at what teens are going through in that fifth stage of development, I mean, they're struggling to figure out their identity. Quite literally, that's, you know, what they need to get through during that adolescent phase, you know, which is somewhere, you know, 12 to 18 ish um, is, is kind of what we would categorize an adolescent. Um, that's one of the biggest things that they have to work through. And if they don't sort of successfully kind of come into their own and figure out who they are, then those internal struggles, you know, just increase and carry into issues in adulthood. Yeah. I read a book 
called the gap and the gain one time. And it's all about living in the gap versus living in the gain. And the, the point of it is, are you looking in the, at the scenarios in a negative way? Or are you always trying to find the positive inside every scenario? And then in the very beginning, it was very interesting because I never thought about this, but I, then I can correlate so many instances where those who struggle with depression and even suicide and commit suicide are your A plus level type kids. They are your mm-hmm. astounding college athletes. They are your A 4.0 kids. They are your valedictorians. They are your um, captain on the football team. Like those are the type mm-hmm. of kids that he was pinpointing. And, and he was going back and saying, you know, they're always trying to reach this next level of success. And when they hit mm-hmm. this level of success, they don't feel like they're successful. They don't feel any difference. Like, wait, if I hit this, and I don't feel any different. What's the point of keep going? Kind of thing. And mm-hmm. the author of this book, he is work, he works with high performer entrepreneurs and he pinpoints like the only way to measure success is to measure backwards. So whether you're a practitioner listening to this, a mom or dad listening to this, or a teenager, like help your teenagers measure their success by measuring backwards. See where they've come in their athletic journey, see where they've come in their schooling journey, see where they come as a person. And as an as an individual and how far they've come from being 13 years old to 18 years old, you know, there's a big difference because they only see that there's so much more they have to attain. And I thought that was a very intriguing parallel to anxiety and depression, especially in teenagers and young adults. Yeah, that's that's powerful. And I can say, you know, personally, I would have fit into that category as a teenager. You know, I was on the prom court. I was voted class clown. But like I said, I just, I suffered so much internally um, with things like suicidal ideation and and all of those other things. So I, I'll have to definitely uh, invest in that book. <laughs> Check into, I mean, it might just be the audio version of it because I, lis- I listened to it on an audio book. Um, but then I also saw later on that ESPN was doing a, like ESPN 30 film on suicide. And they had like five different parents from these, you know, Stanford goalie or UCLA hockey person, like these individuals who had achieved so much and yet still committed suicide. And it's a back to this idea that we are always, 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 especially as a high leader, high performer, entrepreneur, searching for that next level. You want to hit that next level of success. So it's never good enough. Like I think back on my mm-hmm. journey, you know, I was the captain of my volleyball team multiple years. I mean, I don't think I ever was not the captain of my volleyball teams. Um, and now it's like, when I first began my entrepreneur journey, your similar story, you wanted to get that first client, you know, and now I had the first mm-hmm. client and now I want to hit the $100,000 a month. It's like, it's never good enough. There's always another level. But he reminds mm-hmm. you, uh, yeah, keep chasing the next level, but don't determine success on the next level. Determine success on how far you've grown. Yeah. Look backwards. Yeah. So that's just, that's my two cents in anxiety and depression and teenagers. Yeah. No, that's an important lesson. And I can kind of add to that because one of the things, you know, that I work on with almost 
every adolescent, you know, that I serve is really looking at defining success for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, because we know how dangerous and how damaging comparison can be, you know, so that's truly one of the things that I try to get them to challenge their thinking around is, okay, well, you know, what does success look like to you and not just what people have told you it should look like? Um, Because just like you said, you know, you get to that next level and there's a lot of folks that aren't happy there either, you know, so what does that really mean to you, you know? Yeah. Okay, so we are got it. We've got like this this problem that we all know is a big problem, and it's just getting worse. Mm-hmm. What on earth can we do about it? The first step is have empathy. You know, really sit yeah. down and listen to these individuals. It's not mm-hmm. just something yeah. that they're making up. It's not just chemistry in their head. Like, sit down, listen to them. I know one of the biggest things as a as a teenager growing up drove my dad crazy, but we would end up on his bed. Me and my, I'm the oldest out of four and I have three younger brothers. And during our teenage years, we'd be in my parents' room talking for hours on end. My dad had to get up at work at five or six o'clock in the morning and we'd be there till midnight or 1230 or, you know, or and I, mm-hmm. we always knew that mom and dad, at least mom, would be awake waiting for us to get home at night to have that discussion, to hear what we've done. And so just whether it be mm-hmm. at the dinner table, whether it be make time for listening and just mm-hmm. listen don't pop in your ideas don't pop in your critique just listen yes absolutely and i find that's what a lot of the like i said what a lot of the teens crave is that you know just somebody to just listen to understand instead of listen to respond and so often you know we are jumping in there with you know our advice or i would do this or you know oh, that happened to me when I was a teenager or whatever the case might be. And a lot of times they just need us to listen and validate their feelings and let them know, you know, you are important and I understand you are struggling and going through something. Um, and and the other piece to that, though, that I when I end up working with parents is, you know, parenting teenagers is not for the faint of heart. <laughs> you know, it's challenging. Um, and so one of the other things that, you know, I usually end up working with parents on is truly like looking at, okay, what what functions well for you in terms of self-care, in terms of wellness? Like what what kinds of things can you actually infuse into your life? Because it is busy. You know, a lot of people feel like they're running here, they're running there. Like, how do I fit this in? How do I, you know, kind of attend to myself as well? And that's one of the things that I work with the parents on on the other side, because if you don't have... You know, if your emotion, emotional reserves are already depleted and then you have a teenager, you know, who's um, going through all of these things, it's really hard for you to support them or it's really hard for you to uh, respond from a calm, intentional place. You know, we can only do that if we have patience and, you know, we have those emotional reserves. So part of it, you know, is really kind of getting parents to do their own work to see what they can structure into their life to make sure that, you know, um, they're, they're nourishing their their mind and body as well so that they can be in that position of wellness to support their teen because it is a journey. You know, you can get through a really hard week at work without sleep and run yourself ragged because you know it's coming to the end, right? Like, okay, I just have to, I know this week's gonna be tough. I just have to get through it. But when you're dealing with raising a teenager, especially a teenager who's struggling, 
that's not really quite as time limited, right? So we need to be really aware of our emotional reserves and taking care of ourselves as well. Yeah, I totally agree with that. If you aren't taking care of yourself, you don't have a space to take care of somebody else. And that's just like as simple as, you know, I'm really big into the money mindset right now. And if I, and if you're stressed about money and stressed about your requirements in your life, there's no way you have space to be that mom, to be that parent that your teenager needs. So find a way to free up some space, find a way to let something go. You can let your teenager in on that space. And that's, that's a great example because I know, um, A lot of times when I'm working with mothers in particular, they feel guilty for carving that time out for themselves. Um, But it's truly something that is required if you want to be in the best position to support someone else. And it also sets a great example for your child, right? To say, hey, you're important. I'm important. We all need to tend to our self-care, our wellness, whatever that looks like for people. Um, You know, and you're setting that example. You're modeling that example for your child. And if you're listening to this, you're like, well, I don't have a teenager. Neither do I. I have a five-year-old and a two-year-old. But right now, I mean, my five-year-old still requires me to put him to bed at night. It's not good enough for dad. It's me. Me. Five years, every single night, it gets tiring. And now I have to, I'm balancing the two-year-old with the five-year-old who both want mom. So we have, they both have their twin bed literally almost every single night now, all three of us will be on the one twin bed so I can put them both asleep at the same time right so we're like literally I'm literally holding on to both of them so they don't fall off but one thing that my drives my husband crazy is uh the five-year-old likes to talk at night it's like his his time where he opens up and he tells you whatever the heck is on his mind and as a five-year-old that can be a lot of things but I remind Andrew I'm reminding everybody listening right now that the five-year-old, even though I'm exhausted and I really just want to go to sleep and I want him to go to sleep so that I can go to sleep, it's the time for me to sit there and listen and talk to him. There's been nights where he's been talking for two, two and a half hours, and I kid you not, it is midnight by the time he allows himself to fall asleep. But when I'm in those moments, one, I'm going to enjoy the moment, and two, I know I'm setting up success for teenage years. If they can talk to me now, they can talk to me then. So no matter where you're at in life, whether it's even grandkids and you've got grandkids, allow them to talk to you now. Set it up and greater success as teenagers. So, all right, Dr. Courtney, keep giving us some, besides uh, empathy, what's the next thing we can do to help these poor kids? Yeah, honestly, even educating them, like I said, about that phase of life. You know, when I talk to... Uh, and you and it, you you don't have to get down into the science of it all right but if when i talk to when i educate the teenagers i'm working with around hey like this theory this theorist eric erickson says this they're like that makes so much sense cuz that's how i feel you know so a lot of times just helping them understand that some of what they're going through um you know everything's un- every situation's unique but there are some things that they're all going through um that's a part of that life phase, you know, and helping them understand that a little bit better rather than just thinking like, I'm so 
odd. I don't know. I don't feel like I know who I am and just being super unsettled about it, letting them know, hey, that, that's kind of part of your life phase right now. Like, you know, you're, you used to be a child. You're not quite an adult. So you're kind of caught in this little like purgatory area here and you're trying to figure it all out. And that's OK. That's kind, that's where you're supposed to be. And I'm here to help you in that journey in whatever way that looks like for you, whatever you need from me. So sometimes just letting them know that that transition is normal and they're not just crazy or odd because they feel like they don't have a good grasp of who they are really can provide some comfort. And the other thing that I will say, um, and I won't get on a social media tangent, I'm not anti-social media, um, but the one thing I will say about it is helping them challenge their beliefs around that as well. You know, because when you spend a lot of time on social media, you come to see these things as sort of fact, right? Or just the way it is for somebody, or you start comparing your life to their life and you determine that they have it so much better. Um, and we know- I think too, Courtney, is, instead of saying we're spending a lot of time on social media, spending time on social media, period. Mm-hmm. Like I go on there a couple times a day for five minutes. That's all I'm on there. But it's enough to infuse my brain with thoughts I don't want to infuse them with. Yeah. So being on social media, period. Yeah. And and I think it's even harder at their at their age to filter that out or to try to, you know, to really see. You know, this is photoshopped or this is staged or, you know, I'm looking at somebody's um, best version of what they're putting out there. Right. And not necessarily getting the full story. So yeah, how we all know the people who I know several couples right now, unfortunately, who are in the middle of a divorce. Do you ever see that on social media? Mm -hmm. Oh, heck no. Mm -hmm. So helping yep. your teenager realize that you're only getting a snapshot of what person's real life is like yeah and and putting them in in those shoes of you're only showing a snapshot of your life on social yeah. media so everybody else is doing the same thing i yeah, wonder what absolutely. social media is going to be like in 10 years when i have teenagers i, I yeah. don't even want to imagine yeah yeah uh, it's ever evolving really uh -huh. um, but yeah, just helping them, like, because I think there's a lot of times that we don't have those conversations with our teens, or we think maybe they know that. And, I, and you know, it's just, it just helps and it reassures, even if they do know. And a great way to do that, because a lot of times I'll have parents ask me, like, well, how do I even start this conversation? Um, and a great way to do that is bringing in news pegs. And there's no shortage of news pegs um, around you know, Instagram and Facebook and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, those news pegs, those things that we see, um, you know, in, in the social media and things like that are great to like, Hey, have you seen this? What do you think about this? And that's a great way to open up the conversation. That is a brilliant idea. All right. What other brilliant ideas do you got? One other thing that you can do um, to really kind of foster that relationship and to get an idea of what child's life and um, maybe some of the things that they're struggling with or whatever the case might be, figure out what it is that they are enjoying and where they're spending their time. And even if it's something that you don't enjoy, like I don't particularly enjoy playing Roblox with my son, but I know he enjoys it. And it gives us something to talk about and it allows me to kind of see, you know, what he's doing and all that kind of stuff. And it gives us that connection. Um, 
to start that foundation so that if something is wrong or whatnot, you know, you're starting that solid relationship with them and they'll be willing to come and talk to you and tell you about it. Yeah. That's why I'm telling myself it's five years old and I love it while he's there. I'm going to present, yeah. I'm going to set myself up for success in the harder stages when they're physiologically going through so much as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. And- cool stuff. Keep going. Yeah, well, I I was going to follow up with that, that, you know, our teenagers feel so deeply. And a lot of times, you know, they feel like those feelings are going to be permanent. And one of the things when I um, was a school counselor and had to do some of the presentations and whatnot with students around suicide, one of the things that we would talk about is that, you know, suicide is often termed or is often thought of as a permanent solution to a temporary problem. Because we know our feelings aren't permanent. You know, they're gonna fluctuate, you know, you feeling really bad in this moment, you know, it's gonna change. Um, And so allowing them to explore what they're feeling, but then also reminding them, you know, that it's not gonna stay this way forever. Yeah, everything's just a moment in time. Yeah. And it's weathering, you know, helping them weather that storm while they're in it because they will come through it. You know, they're not going to stay sad forever. And that's where I think some of the teenagers feel kind of hopeless. It's like, oh my gosh, is this, you know, am I always going to feel like this? Is this all there is? Is this what, you know, is this what it is in terms of life? You know, okay, is this just it? Is this as good as it's going to get? Like, you know, where is this going? And some of, you know, so in some ways they struggle with some of those like existential questions too. Yeah. All right, I want to conclude here with just a couple of snippets of love the things that you can do from a lifestyle standpoint. Let's make sure your teenager has some chemicals that they need in their brains and balancing out those hormones. So if you are interested, I have a 90-day reset kit for anxiety and depression. You can go to drkylieburton.com slash supplements. There you will find that 90-day reset kit. It's very simple. To do. It's not like it's your teenager's gonna have to take a million pills. It will definitely help them fuel their body with what they need as they're going through this transition in time from a supplement standpoint as well. There is there are other 90-day kits for hormones as well too. But if you're thinking 90-day kit, do the anxiety and depression one, and then start off with some simple vitamin D. I mean, you've heard me many times on this podcast preach vitamin D get those levels up, get them up above around 80. And worst case scenario, just put them on vitamin D. I have a liquid version that tastes like orange soda. I caught my five-year-old with it this morning because he wanted to take some because he likes the taste of it. So your teenager (laughs) will like the taste of it too. So go grab those. Go work with Courtney. Courtney, where can they find you? Uh, My website's pretty simple. It's just Courtney-Conley.com. Okay. Grab Courtney's help if your teenager is willing or if you want to help from an external standpoint, figure out some things you can do. And then, of course, take care of their physical bodies as well. All right. Thanks, Courtney. Go find her at Courtney-Conley.com. C-O-U-R-T-N-E-Y-C-O-N-L-E-Y. 
Wasn't that just so good? Loaded with tons of information, just as this podcast has been the entire time. If you're new here, welcome. If you've been around for a while, I love it. Thank you for your support. I would be so grateful if the newbies and the oldies would leave a review on their favorite podcast listening app. Take a screenshot of that review and email it to my team. We've got some goodies coming out to you if you do that. My team's email is drkylieteam at gmail.com. If you're a practitioner and you do not have a thriving virtual practice yet, you need one. Now is the year. Now is your year. Don't let another thing get thrown at us by this world and take you down. Let's future-proof your practice. Let's get you creating and living and thriving in a practice that you love, that provides you with more time freedom, more energy, and location freedom, and financial freedom too. We will be doing just this in two days in Orlando, Florida at the Wyndham Grand Resort. Grab your ticket at drkylieburton.com slash in dash this dash together dash live. There are 200 seats for the in-person event and you can attend there. You can attend virtually wherever you are in the world. Why? Because I'm here to help you. If you're not a practitioner, I'm going to help you too. I've got a book out on Amazon called Why Are My Labs Normal? If you haven't grabbed it yet, go grab it and learn how to read your blood work a better way to never have to rely on anybody else again. And that's a wrap. I'll see you on the next episode.